Namo tassa bhagavato arahato samma sambuddhasa Namo tassa bhagavato arahato samma sambuddhasa Namo tassa bhagavato arahato samma sambuddhasa Uh, friends, uh, we're still um, getting the um, uh, benefit of the, the juice, uh, what we gained uh, during our recent uh, six-week meditation retreat, and uh, what we've gained by having uh, some instructions from uh, Sayadaw Ujagara, who uh, has been uh, giving some uh, teaching for the bhikkhunis. In particular... Uh, I did notice that uh, the uh, different members of our community were getting sort of different benefits according to where they were coming from and what the particular issues that were uh, relevant and and um, and uh, pressing for them. So, if you had uh, taken a survey of the uh, I think it was a total of uh, 10 uh, monastic women who were uh, participating in all or part of that retreat. You might have gotten um, different answers about uh, what the particular gain was of the retreat. Uh, for me, uh, I appreciated having more um, uh, clear realization that um, this mind has already a strong inclination towards vipassana uh, or trying to uh, solve the you know, problem of dukkha or trying to uh, gain the attainments in the path uh, by way of insight uh, and uh, not as much of a natural inclination to go directly to um, the shamatha or the uh, tranquility meditation. And then on top of that, the majority of the meditation practice that has been taught and popularized in the West is insight meditation. Um, and although uh, the teachers, uh, I'm talking about generally uh, Vipassana teachers in America, uh, uh, acknowledge the importance of developing some concentration or in more recent years um, acknowledge the value of jhana, uh, uh, and yet, uh, well, in certain ways I gained a, a clarity about the difference differences between when one is practicing for insight and when one is practicing for um, um, jhana. And so uh, one particular aspect of that is uh, for me uh, about uh, what's called a citta nupasana or the mindful contemplation of the mind or um, awareness of the, of the mental factors. Um, I had, uh, over the years, 
had a focus on being able to uh, see the different mental factors in terms of their arising and the uh, conditionality between uh, the mental factors um, and the impermanence, non-self, and unsatisfactory nature of mental factors. So that, like, for example, if there's a, um, a contact through the senses, uh, from the contact, a vedana or a feeling arises, and uh, uh, conditioned by um, the contact and the feeling, uh, some uh, perception arises which uh, might be uh, uh, in part conditioned by uh, previous memories and uh, in part um, conditioned by the, uh, the by the Vedana so the color of the feeling tone is, determines what uh, uh, what cabinet gets opened to uh, look for um, uh, the identity of what the object is uh, and then and then from there, that you know how volitions are happening and how consciousness is happening, and all of this is um, kind of like in the realm of uh, vipassana or insight kind of meditation to be able to to uh, learn to see in detail uh, the quick uh, momentary aspect of how uh, these these factors are arising in succession and how the, they're conditioned one by another and also um, uh, seeing the, uh, the impermanence of it. But um, in the context of uh, practicing for uh, concentration, uh, practicing to develop a greater tranquility or greater stillness of the mind, or if one were uh, um, aiming to um, um, to gain jhana, then uh, what I learned is that what's wanted in uh, citta vipassana is simply to see the mind well enough to know uh, the state of mind in order to bring it to balance and clarity. So that that analysis and that uh, focus on the um, you know changeable and uh, complex aspect of mentality is is not uh, the point when uh, practicing for tranquility, but it is very um, apropos to see is the mind balanced or not, is the mind clear or not. Um, if any of the uh, hindrances are present, say if the mind is, um, uh, if the consciousness is colored by sorrow or colored by uh, sensual delight or colored by uh, uh, restlessness or, or if, it's, if the mind is uh, scattered and has uh, difficulty in uh, focusing and so forth, then one can uh, simply take the temperature and uh, think based on that uh, what's possible to do to make the mind 
more balanced. Uh, I'm going to give an example in a, in a minute. Uh, uh, so, uh, there's some kind of um, traditional uh, examples that I've, I've heard about um, balancing the mind. Uh, let's say, um, if one is um, practicing uh, loving-kindness meditation uh, and practicing towards um, uh, let, to develop loving-kindness towards the four persons, uh, oneself, a dear person, um, a neutral person, or a, a, a disliked or a difficult person, then uh, you might um, anticipate that certain kinds of unbalance will arise uh, according to which person you're focusing on. So if you're focusing on loving-kindness for yourself, uh, you might have an idea that I don't deserve happiness. Something like that. And so that kind of an idea will be a real obstacle to being able to uh, uh, arouse loving-kindness towards oneself and then to hold it and to be able to sustain and to... to uh, you know, spend uh, 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 you know twenty minutes or an hour uh, just uh, holding that thought. Uh, may I be well? May I be happy? Uh, a kindness for oneself. If you got that thought, so so then one can um, address that unbalance kind of like directly acknowledge and say, uh, well, um, uh, you know, whatever mistakes or shortcomings I have are simply things that have arisen because of causes and conditions and that's all impermanent and non-self. And uh, uh, my, my uh, um, being a, a lovable or deserving of kindness is as much you know, a factor of my frailty as it is a factor of my uh, uh, being worthy of, of love because of being, being a greater or uh, accomplished in some way. Uh, Ajahn Brahm has got the uh, uh, lesson that he gives about the uh, 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 the twisted tree he says that if you uh, go into the forest and you want to find um, a perfect tree, maybe you're looking for a Christmas tree, and as you're looking for a tree that's straight, in which all of the branches are coming out according to the pattern that it's supposed to be, and they're all even, and um, you know none of them are irregular, and uh, the um, tree has not been uh, damaged by uh, birds or insects, and uh, the branches have not been broken, and, and, and so forth like that. And uh, so then what you'll find is, uh, uh, through the entire forest, you can't find any trees that are perfect like that. And in fact, if you look at the trees, if you see in the midst of a, a lot of trees that are more or less straight as they should be, and there's one that's kind of like twisted, uh, bent over and 
and uh, you know that's really sustained some damage. And because of the way it's grown out of its damaged state, that that tree, uh, which is showing the wear and tear, could might be the most beautiful tree that you see because it's more interesting. And so, you know, that because I'm this is this is the kind of self talk that you would do before retreat to overcome the unbalance of thinking I can't give kindness to myself because I don't deserve kindness. But instead, if you could say, you know, because of whatever, uh, to become loving, uh, the uh, dear person, uh, just to give this example, uh, you might have an unbalanced mind in trying to give in, uh, loving kindness towards a dear person or a mentor or a or that, that category uh, because there's a certain greed that you have towards your delightful person and that you you love them so much and you really hope they would love you back. Um, and so, um, again, one could do um, a cemetery contemplation on that dear person and Make them be uh, dead and uh, decompose and have their body, uh, you know, gradually go to dust in order to uh, offset that, 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 that greediness so, so that then the mind can develop loving kindness and be able to sustain without being uh, distracted or losing the meditation. Uh, um, the neutral person, the difficulty is that it's there. a neutral person is frequently. Uh, neutral to us because we're not really interested in it. And so then that uh, boredom or that um, lack of energy is kind of a defect or the imbalance that can be happen in that context. And if you know that, if you just you know assess that and um, before coming into meditation stir up some thought of spiritual urgency, how precious this life is, how important it is, and how, how um, inspiring it is if you could think of that there is someone who's able to have their, their kindness to be active, uh, even towards, towards uh, neutral persons, or to think how, how inspiring you could inspire yourself if you were the, the kind of person who could be warm and careful and um, you know kind of like a considerate and a really friendly uh, towards an unlimited number of people how, how, how inspiring that would be and so then you arouse that energy uh, then the, the last one in this in this set about the, the difficult person uh, I was trying to the, the uh, uh, real danger uh, with uh, difficult people is because they bring up aversion uh, we always think we want them to be different than what they are and it's like you know may you be happy and wouldn't you be happier if you could give up your obnoxious qualities and then, and then the mind is sort of like off to the races uh, thinking about trying to fix the defects in that person that are making them difficult for you, or to fix the, you know, the, 
whatever that was that was wounding or hurtful in that relationship. And so the danger is being carried away in the story. And uh, uh, the training that I had on doing this particular meditation is saying, you've got this uh, very serious danger of being like swept away from the meditation in, in, um, in thought uh, because of aversion. And you want to be very equanimous. So the idea is to uh, think of like the body in the sitting posture being like the mountain and think of the uh, stability of the mountain that's able to just stand there no matter what the howling storm is that's going around and even um, take the earth element in the body like the bones and uh, just just think of the um, structure and stability of the of the bones and and then uh, starting with the easy persons like yourself and the other three persons uh, bring the loving kindness up and sort of like uh, infuse the body and especially the skeleton with loving kindness so you build up this kind of like this powerful radioactive um, uh, heat of uh, kindness which is contained in this structure of the earth element so that the, the body and the, and the skeleton are, are um, got this strong steady fire of kindness and then after doing that you bring in the difficult person and without thinking about their qualities, you just put their name in and start thinking of giving loving kindness to that person without thinking about the qualities or whatever it is that, that is triggering about that person, but just taking their name. Uh, and so, so in that case, um, you know, what we've done is we've like assessed that um, if we are unable to give loving kindness to that difficult person, the mind is just not able to stay on that meditation, say what's the, the you know, the state of mind or the weakness, the imbalance, the mind gets swept away with um, uh, something and it wants it wants stability. Uh, there's um, so uh, then uh, after doing uh, some kind of a, a preliminary practice which is designed to uh, sort of like rebalance the mind or overcome any um, hindrance or defilement or something like that that we know that's, uh, that's present for us today, then it's possible to um, pick up, um, say, like the breath um, and uh, develop some uh, samatha on the breath or develop some samatha on the kind of uh, meditation object that uh, supports concentration. 
there is another way, I have to admit that there's another way that it can work. Um, if the mind is unstable or it's difficult to meditate because we've had a lot of agitation or difficulty in the in the day or had some, especially uh, social interactions can sometimes arouse a certain amount of, uh, of interaction, of uh, agitation in the heart. Um, and in those cases, uh, it's possible that even to do that assessment of the state of mind, we're already still like, too unstable, even to, to get started. And in those cases, um, just taking like a simplest and most rudimentary kind of, of practice and just simply trying to say breathing in, breathing out, breathing in, breathing out, uh, using the like naming and, and um, keeping the, the mind up. You know, focused for um, some minutes if we're able to on on, um, on the breath on a specific uh, point of the body, or or even just um, using the counting technique and counting breath for a while, just in order to um, pull oneself out of this uh, out of a, an agitated or scattered state and kind of get into the ballpark where we're able to start um, real meditation. Uh, the work that I have been doing uh, earlier um, this year, those who have been uh, talking to me know that I've had this interest in the Datu Vibhanga Sutta and in the elements um, and in uh, uh, developing and learning more about the, the uh, elements meditation. And uh, there's something that uh, I was uh, 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 for part of the retreat using a contemplation on the elements as um, uh, the, the major uh, uh, object of meditation. Uh, and for becoming more calm, I would for developing samatha. Um, I would say that uh, there are some ways in which elements meditation is really centering and calming, uh, because. Um, objects in nature that represent these elemental qualities like the hardness of the rock or the airy uh, windiness of the wind and the fieriness of the sun and the, um, and the wateriness of the rain. Uh, those qualities uh, have a have an existence apart from our social world. So the entire realm of, of um, reactivity or uh, instability or even uh, self-centered view and uh, many of the uh, defilements and hindrances that can arise for a person are arising in support of because of existing in the social world. 
And then the elements meditation is taking us away from the social world to the natural world. And um, to uh, 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 seeing um, uh, this body as uh, the materiality of, of, of us as just being part of nature. Uh, uh, there was another way that I thought of uh, the elements as representing, in a metaphorical sense, some uh, psychological qualities, and and that um, something that came to me during this retreat was an idea about calling on the elements to bring in the uh, dhammas are the qualities of mind that will be beneficial in meditation. I already alluded to that the earth element has this quality of stability. So then if I uh, wish to make my practice more stable, that there's a certain way that I could like um, invite the earth element into my meditation as a stabilizing factor. And I could then you know, contemplate, be like scanning the body and seeing and noticing the earth element, the hard, hardness of the parts of the body that have that quality of hardness or earthiness. And I'm doing that, but I'm also, you know, thinking in terms of the, of this, of this quality. And 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 I, I think the value of this is really that our intellectual mind, uh, we think that it's like verbal things are abstractions or concepts, but behind all the verbalizing and all the concepts, uh, the human really thinks in terms of images. And if we're able to catch hold of images for what we're striving for, it can be like much more direct or intuitive and kind of, you know, go to the heart more, more quickly than if we're thinking in terms of, of um, at a more uh, conceptual level, right? So then, here's, here's my take on the five elements given in the Dr. Vibhanga in terms of what uh, psychological um, equalities they might uh, help me to develop. Uh, the earth element is for stability. Um, the water element is to become uh, collected. So, uh, the water falls on the mountain um, and when we're out in the forest we can see this in the rainy season and it flows and it goes around all kind of obstacles uh, but it's it, it flows on until it comes to a place where it settles into a puddle or a pond or a lake or an ocean and then when it's sort of like reached that destination then all of the sort of everything that's come from the whole surround it's come from many different directions and then it all is like gathering together uh, there's the uh, jhana uh, metaphor of a of a lake which is uh, fed from underground and uh, which is uh, uh, like a gathered that has this kind of purity and it's gathered um, another way the metaphor that Bhante uh, Gunaratana uses for um, uh, the 
uh, collected aspect of, of, uh, of jhana is that all of the mental factors have been brought together so that they're all uh, united with uh, the ekagata or the one-pointedness that all of the mental factors are united onto the, the meditation object. Um, and uh, his idea is that there would be like many streams flowing into a, a, a reservoir and then the reservoir has got a dam um, that's like holding back the water so the water's collecting and then as the water collects more and more it develops power. And then through the um, sluices where the um, um, they're making electricity. Uh, the water is is like coming through with this great power, this wonderful force, and so uh, the aspect of of um, bringing in the water element is uh, because I want the things which are scattered or distracted to become uh, collected and and uh, united in the meditation. Uh, the air element um, in um, it's like breathing and it's also um, associated with moving or like lifting um, uh, like in walking meditation when you lift the, the foot that's the air element um, uh, another aspect of what the air element does is uh, supporting and this actually helped me a lot. I corrected my posture during the retreat because I was, I was thinking of like when I was breathing like that, the air element was like sort of like, it's like the, the body was like coming up and being supported with, with, each, with each in-breath. Um, and, and then from that, like uh, thinking of the, of the breath as being uh, supporting like that, uh, it occurred to me to uh, uh, think of um, like in a sailboat that the way that the sail is like you know held up um, by the wind and it's and it's um, both uh, you know holding the body and 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 the or holding the the sail and giving the the force and the energy then the, the skillful um, uh, sailor is able to guide the boat to get to the destination and. And so then, it, you know, sort of the imagery that was coming to me was like the, that the body itself is like a sail, um, and and that the bringing the wind element to to give it um, the energy to uh, to go along steadily towards the goal. Um, then um, the fire element. Um, it, You know, we think about fire as energy, but in this case, the air is the energy. Okay, so um, I'm thinking of fire as the destructive element. So then, um, if I wish to uh, cut off the fetters and completely eradicate them, uh, destroy them, and burn the seeds so they won't come back. That would be the fire element. Or like um, with the process of digestion, 
how the body, you know, takes the takes the food and um, breaks it up, so that then the the parts of the food, the nutriment, can be absorbed, and that which is toxic or useless can be uh, uh, thrown off. Uh, so uh, that's fire element, and then uh, this base element. Uh, uh, normally one thinks of space element like in terms of outer space, something very big and boundless, but in the sutta, in the Dhatavibhanga, it mentions a space in terms of the openings of the body, like the mouth and the ears and the nostrils and the eyes and the space of the throat and the stomach and the um, opening the spaces inside the body. So it came to me that uh, I, I can invite the space element in order to become open to be able to receive something. Uh, uh, especially dukkha is the one that we never want to receive. But if we can, instead of trying to block away the dukkha, if we could just open and just receive that into our experience, um, then it makes a lot of things not possible in meditation. So uh, those are uh, five uh, uh, metaphors that uh, came to me during this six-week retreat. And I did get a chance to uh, discuss them with with Bhante and, and... kind of get some um, encouragement that, that I wasn't just going into flights of fancy, but that, that this, these kind of uh, uh, use of, um, of um, imagery in, in order to uh, think of the um, qualities that would be uh, balancing for the mind can be quite beneficial because it's, it's so much more uh, direct and intuitive. Because just thinking in verbal concepts, then the mind is sort of in this complicated thinking or giving a speech or something to to oneself, which is going away from concentration. But then if we just think like uh, wanting um, to um, energize the meditation and just just like make the body nice and straight and open the chest and think of the wind pushing the sailboat, then it seems like a very... Um, um, a direct way to invite uh, a quality in that will be uh, beneficial and balancing uh, to the meditation. So these are my um, thoughts, and I will invite uh, anyone who has uh, got a comment or something similar that um, that you uh, know how to do in your own practice. Would you like to add any thought to this topic about balancing the mind? Today I learned a lot of things you your teaching. So I think it's enough for me today. Thank you very much. I just say I will found it interesting and it made me happy to to connect the the, the elements to um, the body 
particularly, as opposed to just taking the quality of anything um, and using it. Because it seemed very practical and very doable and not something that would lead to more story or more creation, but uh, something that brings you to the, the present um, in a way that's balancing. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm really glad you mentioned this because I just came back from a, a couple of weeks ago from my yoga training and we were doing a little bit more with imagery um, and sound and, and I was feeling um, like it was contradictory to what I, how I've trained before but I saw the benefit of it. I saw how it really, um, I, I, know, I can understand what you mean about it. Um, both being more direct, but also more um, settling or, or able to, to focus, to, to grab my attention more than uh, intellectually conceptualized. So, are there any uh, cautions you would suggest as far as when one thinks of balancing the mind and uh, thinking of what would balance is creating something on your own and any yeah, dangers mm. with that? When It's like the Dhamma seems to be like coming to a point and we're coming from a lot of different starting points. So a person may be coming from the East and somebody else is coming from the West and it can sort of like look differently. And the person over there is traveling in this direction and the person over there is traveling in the opposite direction. And so it may look like they're doing opposite things but really they're going towards uh, the same uh, end result. Uh, to me, uh, reading the suttas and uh, thinking about how my unique experience or the things that I know as a modern Westerner person, how those things are, are matching or what I'm able to see, uh, you know, like gradually, re especially reading the same or reciting the same basic suttas over and over again, that that... Um, uh, gradually brings it brings it towards the the center point of the the goal that we're striving for. So I think it's fine to explore these other things, especially being that we're um, in our culture. There's a lot of different things to explore, but then also uh, read the the fundamental uh, sutras over and over again to to help uh, protect from the danger of going off into into a sidetrack that's not useful. Um, that would be my suggestion about that. Does that answer? That, does that speak to what what you were asking for? It gives me it gives me a tool. Yeah. Reference. The, um, the basic and techniques of meditation. Um, are really great and one can come to have a certain kind of like a loyalty or a love for the meditation procedure and be so 
be really happy to be like anchored in the meditation procedure. So no matter what our state of mind is, today we're really settled and balanced and tomorrow we're unsettled and scattered. Uh, but in, in, at all times, we're doing the meditation procedure consistently. Say if we've chosen to like adopt a certain kind of posture and be watching the breath in a certain way and uh, meditating at the same time of day for the same amount of time, that that also helps to bring consistency. And so this more imaginative thing that I'm thinking about is kind of like a, a preliminary practice and not a substitute uh, for doing um, a, uh, uh, a consistent uh, meditation procedure. Then it's the first, first one to, uh, 
I think. Yes. It's very important for you. Uh, even you do the yoga, uh, that is the different method. So you have to observe your thinking and then figure out your thinking first. Because the lay person, they have had to live with the job and then associate things. So they are usually uh, uh, complicated. Mm-hmm. So uh, if you want to make yourself very pure and calm, you have to figure that you are all the thinking very shorter. That's my opinion. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I appreciate also how you describe the different um, uh, levels or points. You know, that the first step is okay, just bringing some, a little bit of subtleness and then noticing the mind states. And then once that's balanced, you said going into the, the real meditation. And I, I know what you mean. Because most of the time, my life, you know, is a regular life. And most of the time, my technique I, I, that I'm working on is just just settling enough, just a little bit. And I wait until I go on retreat or have, you know, a couple of day long or extended practice to be able to go deeper. If you do find it, you, you will really understand what she said. Because that is the next stage. So if you feel it on yourself first, you can understand what she said. Naturally. Mm-hmm. Not, 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 not the acknowledgement. Mm-hmm. Just you can feel it. Mm-hmm. You will know what she wants to do. Maybe uh, one example. Um, so, like, you know, she talked about kind of inventing what works, and for me, uh, the, what is the balance? Well, the balance is uh, being without hindrances, the balance, uh, when I see that there's a certain hindrance, I developed my fluffy bunny meditation, I think mm-hmm. I've talked about. <laughs> so, you know, I've been turning to my fluffy bunny meditation, and it helps calm the center and balance. Um, but then there came a time where I was feeling a little out of balance and I turned to my fluffy bunny and I realized that the fluffy bunny was actually a little in, out of balance because I, it was almost like I was habitually now turning to this meditation object to soothe something that actually wasn't that far off balance. I wasn't needing that big, you know, soft bunny. and then I could see my mind turning toward my bunny. <laughs> that makes sense. Mm-hmm. And I could see what the mind was needing, was wanting. Was, you know, right? So it wanted this meditation technique in order to come into balance. But because I was seeing that it was actually pulling me off balance at that point, then I just dropped it. And actually then it was balance. Now I'm not saying it lasted, but it was very useful to say, that technique was really important when I'm that far off balance. I need my fluffy bunny. But if I'm in a different angle, then fluffy bunny may not be the right, right thing. And so the asking, what I ask the question is, is this technique actually working? Is it, is it balancing me? 
or is this technique not the right one to apply because you know this this isn't that same situation? And then that's where that thinking is comes in for me to say, what is the mind actually looking for, or what what is it that's out of balance? And then go discover a different tool or try a different tool that I've been taught. Mm -hmm. so that, that was really a, an aha for me of when you apply a certain technique. Asking is this technique working? Is that good? Yes. Yeah. Well, I know the time has gone by, and I don't want to get a bad reputation for running over the time. So uh, maybe we can uh, put the lights up and uh, recite the Buddha's words on loving kindness. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.